Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, several of our young people will receive the sacrament of confirmation. Confirmation can be a bit of a confusing sacrament, and there are a lot of reasons for that. But here's the kind of the big idea. Baptism, confirmation, and Holy Communion are of a piece. They're all meant to go together, and in large part because baptism and confirmation are sacraments that don't get repeated, right? You don't get baptized again. Even if you mess up real bad, you go to confession instead. You don't get confirmed again, even if you mess up real bad. These are, these are sacraments that make a lasting impact, that set a seal on our souls. Sometimes, in the, kind of the ordinary uh, mechanical course of events we're used to, we're baptized when we're very young, hopefully just a few days or weeks old, and then confirmed sometime perhaps in adolescence. Most of us can... Remember a time around here when it was in 8th grade? Nowadays, it's usually in 10th grade, though sometimes kids get off-cycle, and that's part of what we're doing today. But when a kid gets off-cycle, even for First Communion, we smush them together because they belong fundamentally together. The whole reason they're separated is simply because of this. The Holy Spirit works on each of us in our own time, according to our own capacity and natural gifts the gifts of the Spirit make themselves manifest over time. We baptized a baby at the last Mass. She has an older brother I baptized sometime last year. Now, the older brother is just beginning to show his capacity to speak. 
to walk, to do the basic little human things that toddlers do, right? The baby baby, who's just a couple weeks old, she's not doing any of that. She's eating and drinking and, well, you know the rest. So, so, so over time, though, they'll grow into their natural capacities. Well, when baptism is given to us as infants, we grow into our supernatural capacities according to the same measure. And so, so what confirmation does isn't bestow a spirit that wasn't given already. Sometimes the way we talk about this, it might sound like, well, the Father and the Son come at baptism, uh, but you can't have the Holy Spirit till you get your driver's license. It's not the idea. That's not the idea. The language that we use here is important. When I anoint these young people on the forehead, I'll say, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not seal like at the zoo. Arf, 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 arf. They're cute, but that's not what's going on. This is a seal like a stamp, right? A seal like we'd use on a government document or a church document. I actually have my seal, which I've used at the last two masses, which I haven't celebrated, but it's hiding somewhere over there in the ambo. But you've all seen this. You know what a seal looks like, and it's the original um, multi-factor authentication device. So in olden days, we'd write each other letters, and we knew each other's handwriting well enough you could see, based on the signature, whether the person who said wrote it, wrote it. And then you could tell whether anybody had hacked into your email by whether or not the seal was broken. What does it mean, then, to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? The seal which is imposed on the outside must mean that these, and each of us who has already been confirmed, has been sent. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to seal us. And it presumes there's somebody on the other end who will be able to recognize, validate, affirm the authenticity of the contents inside. See, even though just before these young people are confirmed, they'll renew their baptismal promises, and we along with them, this is not called confirmation because of anything they do. You can't confirm yourself any more than you can confirm a hotel reservation. You need the hotel to do that for you. It's the church who confirms in the person of the bishop or the priest whom he's appointed to administer the sacrament in his stead, it's the church who confirms, and by so doing, she affirms, validates, authenticates that the faith that is in these young people, that their catechists and parents and godparents have seen and nurtured over the last weeks, months, and years, that, that what they got inside them is what we got inside us, that the baptism took and that the graces that were bestowed when they were small children are alive and at work and just needing to escape, ready to get out and make some kind of real change in the world. We do this on this Pentecost Sunday because this is the day that the apostles received the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now again, just like with us at baptism, it's not like this is the first appearance the Holy Spirit makes. The Holy Spirit not only inspired every word of the Bible, but is present over and over and over again throughout. It's the Spirit who hovers over the waters before the first moments of the creation and brings order out of the chaos 
that was at the beginning. It's the spirit that speaks to Abraham on the plains of Yerim and gives him the promise that sets into motion the whole plan of salvation that God has for his people. The spirit drives Moses to repentance out of Egypt after he's murdered the Egyptian and there to meet God at the bush which is burning yet not consumed, burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit that later has Moses tap the sea and split it in two. And then again, 40 years later, has, has Joshua do the same thing at the River Jordan. The Spirit whispered to Samuel and told him to anoint David as king and not one of the comelier brothers. The Spirit is the one who drove first Elijah and later Elisha into the desert to found what would become monastic life. In the fullness of time, God's Spirit inspired even the kings of the pagans Darius and Nebuchadnezzar to make decisions unawares, unknowing, that would work ultimately for the salvation of God's people. And in the last days, in the last days, it was the Spirit who overshadowed the Virgin Mary so that she could conceive God's incarnate Son. It was the Spirit that accompanied Jesus every day of his human life and drove him ultimately into the desert to wrestle with the devil. And on the cross, it was the spirit that Jesus breathed forth as he cried his last. It's God's spirit that's the major agent in all of our salvation. And it's God's spirit that's the prime actor, the main mover in all of the sacraments of faith. It's the spirit that we call down upon the waters of the font when these were first baptized. The same waters we'll use upon ourselves today. It's that same spirit that seals them and us in confirmation. And that spirit transforms bread and wine every week into Holy Communion. God chooses to dispense his spirit to make itself manifest on the Pentecost because the Pentecost was already a feast day. It's not just ours. It was a feast day for the Jews. That's why everybody's already there. It was the day, the day that Moses had received the law And so on this day, God does not give another law meant to constrain behavior, but a spirit meant to shape and focus and inform everything we do. That's the spirit with which these young people are to be sealed. Not the spirit of of inhibition or constraint, but a spirit of true liberty, of authentic freedom, the freedom to choose the good, the freedom to be saints. The room where the Holy Spirit came upon them, the upper room, the cenacle, was where Jesus celebrated the first Eucharist. Every week we encounter the Spirit, whether we mean to or not, as the gifts of bread and wine are transformed, and so, please God, are we. But its effectiveness, its fruitfulness, is ultimately up to us. Put simply, God trusts us with so much, we can actually screw it up. Which means you all need to take real serious what we do here today. Because it will leave a mark that lasts forever. That word seal, the word that comes to us in English as such, is related to the word for tattoo. 
So in a certain sense, you don't have to ask your folks, you're getting your first tattoo today. Not on your skin, but on your soul. And we're doing it precisely so that as we send you out into the world, people can recognize you for who you are, belonging to Jesus, sons and daughters of the Father, sealed, signed and sent with God's Holy Spirit. Now, friends, this is true not only for them, but for each of us. Those of us who have been confirmed need to reflect deeply on whether or not we allow the graces of that sacrament to continue to work themselves out in our lives. And those of us who have yet to be confirmed should be praying already that God's Spirit begins to move and shape and work in us so that together we might change the world.